720 WGN, let's get legal, powered by the Illinois State Bar Association. A very happy Saturday afternoon, everybody. I know we wish in April that it was 75 degrees and sunny, but here we are. (laughs) It is spring on the calendar. It will get here soon. Audrey Anderson, are you confident that we will have spring and summer at some point? You trust the science it'll come? Hopefully, spring will probably be a day in the middle of the week when we can't enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Audrey Anderson, man, from Anderson Attorneys and Advisors. Uh, you do a lot of juvenile defense work. And um, I just wanted to ask off, you know, off the top before we kind of dive into these topics, what makes you what what drew you to do that? Because I know, you you know, you spent some time in the state's attorney's office out in DuPage County. Uh, you went to the defense side. Now you work with a lot of juveniles. What what what's your passion for that? I feel terrible that kids who make innocent, dumb mistakes without thinking through the consequences can have lifelong consequences. Getting expelled from school can change their trajectory with a scholarship for sports or academics or getting criminally charged in a juvenile petition. Again, their college application or their job that they were going to have after school could be withdrawn. So I just wanted to help them and try to get them the best defense and representation that I could. Yeah, I think a lot of people, when they think that a 15, 14, 13-year-old, 17-year-old does something wrong, that it kind of just gets pushed away, I guess you could say. Like, right, well, the school will figure it out. Or there will be a a hearing with a judge who is kind to the juvenile, and there's going to be some leeway there. That's not what's happening, is it? No, not at all. And you understand why schools and judges can't be that way. Schools are so concerned that if they don't act swiftly and strongly, that there really will be some sort of horrible incident at their school. So they don't really take each individual student into account, such as a student is an AP or honor student. They're the star quarterback or the star volleyball player. They don't take them into account that a kid just wasn't thinking when they said something to another student at school or they got into an altercation uh, just to blow off steam. Right. And same with obviously the police. They got to do what they've got to do, right? Right. Absolutely. And you understand the police, they don't want to have people looking back at them saying, why didn't you do anything? The signs were all there. So they have to react as opposed to treat each case individually separately and look at it in its entirety. Right. And then there is still the reality that kids are kids. And I feel like when we were kids, and maybe it's simply because the cell phone wasn't around with a video camera on it and this instant communication, uh, maybe it's just kind of changing ways. And of course, the changing world, especially when it comes to school threats, way different than it was 30, 40 years ago when we just didn't have this mass, you know, these mass casualty events at, at schools. Um, but, but the landscape has changed, right? Right. Absolutely. Because of technology. So it's not just phones, but all the social media. So back when I was in high school, very, very, very long time ago, the the computers, (laughs) that sort of social media didn't exist. So if something happened to a kid at class, it eventually got around maybe to the school. But now it's instantaneous. A thousand students can get it in a matter of seconds and then gets posted on social media where it then flows out from there to who knows how many others. I know we've been talking about school, you know, we've been talking about threats and things along those lines, and we'll get back to that, too. But we're also talking about just dumb mistakes made outside of the school, right? Right. A lot of kids can be playing, um, you know, war or something like, you know, cops and robbers or whatever the equivalent is. That's what we used to call it. (laughs) Right. Whatever it is nowadays. 
Yeah. And so then they film something with like BB guns that look real or water guns that look real. And then they post something and then people think, oh, that's a threat to the school. Or, you know, you just do something dumb. Like say you show a gun or, or a knife to a friend saying this is what my parents have. Or even if you just get into an altercation, a fight with a kid down the block, the school can suspend you because something happened outside of school while school's in session. I mean, during the school year. So I know a lot of parents. I know a lot of parents might be listening, saying, "My little Johnny would never do that," or uh, "Little Susie's so good." And trust me, I know Johnny and Susie are good. Don't let, don't get me wrong. But you know, kids are kids, and these things can pop up immediately. I mean, you get a. I mean, this is a frequent part of what you do, right? Like, I mean, you're getting consistent calls from parents from the kids. I mean, and I know we don't want to label kids good kids or bad kids, but I mean, a lot of good kids, right? who literally made just a dumb boneheaded mistake. You're getting a lot of these calls, right? I am. And the problem is, I agree. I'm a parent. I would never think my children could do something. And so when a police officer comes to a parent and they say these horrible allegations, such as improperly filming another student in class or at school Mm -hmm. or anything like that, or doing something inappropriate over a Zoom classroom you think there's Mm. no way so then you tell your kid to tell the truth and tell them what happened and there you go your kid just confessed to doing child pornography or you know indecent exposure who knows what else or cheating right because you don't think and so you you really need to reach out to an attorney because that doesn't mean your kid is automatically viewed as guilty because you take your rights and protect your children's rights which is everyone knows they have yeah so let's Let's talk about those rights because, you know, we're talking about either it's a criminal activity involving the police. And I think a lot of people would say, oh, yeah, you know, you didn't do anything wrong. Talk to the police. And that's often because the kid is telling you they didn't do anything wrong. So you just say, all right, yeah, go ahead and talk to the police. I'd say no matter what, what would be your advice for something like that? If a police officer shows up to your door and he said, your son or daughter did this, what should be a parent's next step? Thank you for letting me know. I am going to speak to my attorney, XYZ or Audrey Anderson, and she will give you a call. I mean, I just. Okay, what if they, what if they say, oh, come on, we can, we can take care of this. This will be fine. Yeah, no. Once you ask for an attorney, you have that right. So keep persisting. And you're right. The officers are going to be like, oh, it's nothing. You don't need an attorney. We're just here for a chat. Yeah, they're here for a chat to get incriminating evidence against your child. And that's not good at all. So, right. And, and I just want to give the caveat again, because I know we'll get a text. We know they're doing their job, right? Yes, and they right. have a job to solve things and do things. That's their job. And part of this beautiful justice system that we have set up, there is an equal side on the other side that has a right to say no. Correct. And you're right. Officers are just doing their job and they are allowed to minimize to you as a parent saying it's just nothing. We we have one version and we can't believe it. So we just want to hear your child's version. They're 100 percent legally allowed to do that. So there's nothing wrong. But you have the right. Even if it was you, you would want someone there to just help you or walk you through it or just prep you for what type of questions they're going to be asked. Right. And there's also the very distinct possibility that when your child told you, I didn't do anything wrong, that they were lying to you. Right. Right. Or maybe even they didn't realize that what they did was wrong. You know, they watched a clip of something inappropriate or they filmed the fight at school thinking, oh, that's was that a crime? And then posted it or gave it to someone else. And really it is. But your child doesn't know that it's a crime. So they may honestly think that they're telling you the truth and they're far from that. 
Hold on. So I'm an adult, and I didn't know that if I posted a fight at school and posted it online that I can get in trouble for that. Does it depend on the circumstances, or is there a law like you, you can't post those sorts of things online? No, it could be that you're creating – there's not a specific law that says you cannot post – a film of that, but it could be unauthorized videotaping or if it's of something inappropriate and their students that it's like disorderly conduct because that child that's being beaten is emotionally harmed and scarred because of what saying. was posted. Okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, and like when a fight breaks out at school, I mean, I, I hate to even say this, but when we were kids, you'd gather around and people would chant like, Ooh, there's a fight. Like it was an exciting event. Of course, when I was, 13 i would have pulled out my cell phone and started taking a video of that like that's just a natural reaction i do that when i'm on the cta bus and anything crazy starts happening right like of course i would have done that that. as a kid oh my gosh you see that all the time adults you can see like anything that happens with adults on the street like a traffic altercation everyone's out there filming so why wouldn't kids do that yeah, I uh, we'll get to some more examples in a bit, but I do want to just go back to the police officer thing. Uh, then you say, you know, no, I want to get my lawyer. Um, but I know there's a lot of people that have a worry that say, oh, my God, they're going to think we're guilty for that. That happens all the time. I get oh, 99% of my clients go, well, if I tell the officer I want a lawyer, they're going to presume I'm guilty. No, they may say, well, why? They know that it just complicates things, makes their job harder. Right. But they know you and- have the right. And you're not yeah, exactly. You're not the first person to say that. Right. I think there's also this thing sense that like everybody talks to the police and I'll be one of the few that don't No, they, they, they get the door shut in their face, uh, you know, or, or told no politely many, many times. And they probably are sitting there going, yeah, you probably shouldn't talk to us. Exactly. Probably more often they say, no, I want a lawyer. I'm not talking to you. Then a person says, sure, come on in. Let me confess to you. Yeah, right. And of course, you can do it respectfully, right? There's no need to be angry and say, you know, uh, you know, I understand. I, I understand your job, however you want to put it. But here's the rights and juveniles have rights just like everybody else, right? Exactly. They have the exact same rights as adults. They have the right to not talk. In fact, their rights should be more protected because they are juveniles. Absolutely. All right, Audrey Anderson, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, We're just getting our conversation started. 312-981-7200. If you've got any questions, we'll get to more with Audrey Anderson after the news on WGN. 720 WGN, John Hansen here on Let's Get Legal, powered by the Illinois State Bar Association on WGN. Continuing our conversation with Audrey Anderson from Anderson Attorneys and Advisors. By the way, AndersonAA.com is the best place to to go on the website. It's a great website because you have a lot of different uh, things about criminal defense, juvenile defense. We've talked about DCFS a lot here on this program and asset seizure and forfeiture. And there's just a lot of questions that people can answer. But of course, they're always uh, able to call you guys too, right? On the phone, that's a good way to reach you guys? Yes, definitely. All right. And the number I have on the website, 630-877-5800. There's a text us button. There's all those sorts of ways to reach you, Audrey. And there's no excuses for anyone. And I'm sure that they are reaching you around the clock. (laughs) They are, but that's good. They need help. They need See, exactly. And that's what you're there for. And, you know, we've met many times now, and I bet everyone's heard all the lawyer jokes, of course, but we often say on this program, lawyers are there for you on some of the worst days of your life. They are there to prevent worse, even worse days from happening. And uh, having known you a bit, you're just like one of the kindest, nicest people. So always call Audrey Anderson uh, from attorney uh, Anderson Attorneys and Advisors. Okay, we've been talking about dumb stuff that kids do, and you've been educating me about 
things that I didn't even know were wrong. But of course, there are a lot of things that I do know are wrong, and we should never advocate that it's okay for kids to do. So this is kind of like a murky area where I'm about to enter. Just I want to preface it that we're saying, of course, a child, someone in their teens, should not drink and drive. I'm just recognizing that every now and then you do have a kid who may even have half of a beer, drive, get pulled over for something else, and then they have 0.1 in their bloodstream. Still not okay under the age of 21. Just getting that out there. <laughs> I'm like anticipating the text. Um, but that student, I mean, that that has real big ramifications for them, don't they? Like even something like that uh, – could really alter their life, right, Audrey? Exactly. That's so true. There's absolutely zero tolerance. But the thing is, the kid thinks if they have a beer or half a beer, it's not a big deal because they see adults do it. So what's different mm-hmm. with them? But it's absolute zero tolerance. So even if they're just under 0.08, it doesn't make a difference. Any amount affects them. So they can get charged with driving under the influence and you get charged in criminal court, not juvenile court. You can get charged with reckless driving. You can have consequences also with the secretary of state with your driver's license, how your driver's license can get suspended or revoked. Or if you still, as I've had, I have a learner's permit. You don't even have your license yet. You're not getting your license at the time that you're supposed to because you've got this in your background and you only get one bite at the apple. You can only get supervision on a DUI once in your lifetime. You know, beyond the charges, I mean, this affects scholarships. This could affect college choices, right? Like, I mean, this is life-altering stuff. And I, again, feel like we are in that world of parents saying, well, fess up to it. The system will take care of itself. And look, the system is still going to play. But that doesn't mean that some, that your child shouldn't have someone at their right so, right-hand side advocating for them, right? Like, what sorts of things can you do in that situation to at least help give the, the kid the best defense possible? So just like adults, it should be obviously be polite to the officers, but the only information you need to tell them is your name and give them your driver's license and insurance. All the other questions of where are you coming from? What have you been doing? Where are you going? No, thank you. You are not answering. That's the same for teenagers. They don't have to answer any of those questions. It's not different because an adult is asking them questions. So I think that could be a misperception too. With teenagers, they think if an adult questions them, especially an officer, that they're required to answer. And in this situation, not that I'm advocating for children not answering adults' questions. In this situation, they're not required to to answer those questions. That's interesting because I think we do teach our kids, and rightfully so. And let me just say, I don't have kids, by the way. I'm not trying to pretend like I do. I would hope to teach my kids right from wrong. And I think that we try and teach, you know, there's certain adults that we respect authority. And, th- and we should. We should teach kids to respect police officers' authority. That's an important part of our civil society. So I think it is a fine line, Audrey, about teaching kids situations in which they need to be on the lookout for themselves. That's kind of a hard concept to grasp as an adult, let alone as a teenager. What do you advocate to parents? I know you're not trying to tell parents how to teach their kids, but like from a legal perspective, how early should parents start telling kids like, hey, look, here are some situations where you where you should come to me first? Unfortunately, I would say grammar school. I know that seems crazy, but -hmm. you really need to say, even when deans or teachers start asking questions, if there's something that happened at school, you're supposed to, and you teach your kids, answer your teacher's questions. If it's about an incident or something that happened, the kid really should be, no, I want to talk to my mom and dad, mom or dad or guardian or whoever first, Mm -hmm. before I answer any questions, because teachers, police officers, they start asking these kids questions 
they've left a voicemail maybe for a parent, but they're still questioning your kid without you. So you Mm -hmm. really need to teach your children early that if there's something that happened at school, parents are the first call before you talk to anybody. Yeah. And it's just hard because it's like, yes, also your teachers are great resources for you as kids. And sometimes they'll open up to teachers more than they will to parents. So that's a, that's a hard line. So I think that's, it's very important for parents to recognize that, Hey, look, you know, even if you are mad at me as mom and dad, for whatever reason, there are certain situations where it's like, okay, you, you should come to us first. We will always be there for you. And then they call Audrey Anderson attorneys and advisors went along in that process, uh, whether it's criminal whether it's the police knocking on the door or whether it's a call from the principal, what point do they call you? I know that I guess it depends on what the situation is, but I guess I, what is that line? Cause it's obviously not, Hey, your kid ditched class for a day. I don't think that needs a lawyer, but like, what is the call that says, okay, I need to call you. Well, you're right. When it's your kid ditched class, they've been tardy too many times. That's not really an issue. When it's something more serious, there was a fight at school and they're looking at a 10 day suspension, which is code for he's going to get expelled. Call me then. It's never- wait, wait, can you explain that a second? What do you mean by oh. a 10 day suspension is code for he's going to get expelled? A lot of times a school will tell a parent your child is getting the 10 day ex- ex- suspension. And then once you start the suspension, that. They will then get the documentation to say now they're getting expelled. So a lot of times the ten in, in all the cases that I've seen so far with expel, expulsions, it's where they initially get the 10 day suspension so that the school can start the process of the paperwork to get your child expelled from school. So if you ever uh-huh. hear that it's a 10 day suspension or they're looking at suspension, you have to call an attorney right away. It's never yeah. a crime to call me too soon. Like, oh, you <laughs> call me too soon. Oh, that's a shame. It's better to get me involved earlier before anyone talks. But so like if you're sitting there and you're like, I have a feeling my kid is late to class today. That might be too soon, but go ahead and try. Audrey will calm you down. Uh, but no, I and really, in all seriousness, calling early. I mean, because that gives you the ability to prevent a child from saying too much. That gives you the ability to start investigating on your own too, right? Like, I mean, that's what your team does. Correct. Because once it's out there, once your child's made the statement, we can try to eventually suppress the statement in court. But if I had been able to speak with everyone beforehand, we wouldn't have even allowed the child to make that statement to the teacher, the dean, the police officer to begin with. And so it saves a lot of headache down the road for your child. AndersonAA.com, Anderson Attorneys and Advisors. The phone number on the website, 630-877-5800. Is there another? And I'm on the site right now, and someone, a chat now box opened up, and someone can help answer my questions there. Very reachable, uh, Anderson Attorneys and Advisors. If someone is running out of the car right now, we're going to continue this conversation in a moment. But uh, you're based in the western suburbs. Is that kind of the primary area in which most people are able to reach you, west, northwest, southwest suburbs? Correct. Okay, sounds good. All right, tell you what, let's take a quick break, and then I want to talk about expungement. After this, um, let's get legal powered by the Illinois State Bar Association on 720 WGN. 720 WGN, all right, we got Audrey Anderson on the line. I'll continue our conversation about all her work with uh, juvenile defense. Just such an important thing for every parent to listen to, to kind of put it in their brain. They may not need it today. They may not need it tomorrow, but... Remember the name, Audrey Anderson, AndersonAA.com, because there's going to be that moment where you might need to call her. And again, we've already talked about sooner rather than later. Let's talk about what happens after something goes through the adjudication process, and that's expungement. Can you explain first and foremost what expungement is? Expungement is a process where you go before a judge 
And if the judge grants our request, then all the police reports gets destroyed. And it's as if that case never existed. So the child never had to go to court. The child never was arrested or had contact with the police department. And the child can then, or even with adults, adults the same. The arrest never existed. It could be um, then if you have to write on college applications or a job application or a scholarship application or whatever it is, if they say, have you ever been charged with, adjudicated, arrested? Your answer then is no, because it's destroyed. Okay, so that sounds very valuable. Who's eligible? It depends on what the charge is. So if a child or an adult were just arrested but never charged, you can get that expunged. Based upon what type of charge it is in the sentence, you can get those expunged as well, like retail thefts or batteries if you receive court supervision. Okay, how long does it take before you can kind of go through that process? So depending on what it is, it's typically two to five years after your sentence is completed. Okay. And is there like a period in which it's already too late or you can do it at any time? You can do it at any time. So if it's something that happened when you were 14, you can still try to get it expunged when you're 74. This is a really uh, broad question. Uh, Is it easy to do? Yes. I mean, the paperwork is kind of complicated, but I've done so many of them. Attorneys have do so many of them. It's not complicated for us. And it's just another hearing before a judge for us. So if someone was trying to do it themselves, represent themselves doing it pro se, like they don't have an attorney, it may be more intimidating because you have to file it. There's a filing fee with the clerk's office. That's usually several hundred dollars. You've got to go to court before the judge. You have to follow up with the police department, the state police to make sure that they comply and actually destroy everything. So it is something that, in theory, you could do yourself. I guess you could do anything yourself. Um, but <laughs> when you start seeing a mound of paperwork and you're talking about your legal future and you're, you know, clearing off your record, boy, I can't think of a better reason to call a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Why? You're already so busy. Why try to bone up and learn how what the process is like, what documentation you need to have, where you need to send it, when you can just pay an attorney to take care of all that headache and hassle for you? Do you think there's a lot of people out there that could have their records expunged that haven't gone through that process and they're currently being harmed in some way or held back in some way? Absolutely. I get calls all the time from people saying I was just denied a promotion because of something that happened when I was 20 and I thought it just went away. You know, so they think that it just after time, it just falls off their criminal background, which is not the case at all. Yeah, right. Because I mean, right. And there's some people that maybe they've been able to get jobs with that on their record still. And that wasn't an issue. But like you said, they're trying to move up or they're trying to, I don't know, get loans. I don't know if it affects your credit or not your credit, but it affects like what banks will operate with you. And if you're starting a new business, there's all sorts of ramifications that maybe people haven't looked at in a long time and they haven't been affected. And now they're like, oh, no, this is from 30 years ago. Exactly. Because maybe back 20 years ago, when you got hired at that company, they didn't really do background checks. But now that field is more competitive and you're switching to a different firm or company. They do background check now and they don't hire you, even though you've been excellent and excelled in that field for all these years. And that's something that Anderson Attorneys and Advisors, you can answer questions on and uh, help people through that process. Absolutely. All right. Okay. So we got about 30 seconds to a minute left. What's your elevator pitch, Audrey? Who should be calling you? Who should be saving that number in their phones? I imagine a lot of parents, right, out in, out in, uh, in across really the, the area. Definitely. Parents should have it just because even if they don't need the attorney then, at least you know that you have someone when something comes up. 
Okay, parents, and it's but anyone that needs a good defense, right? I mean, like you have a whole team over there that does a lot of work beyond the juvenile world, right? It's juveniles and adults. We handle okay. both of them and abuse cases for both juveniles and adults. And, and we've talked a lo- lot on this program about DCFS, and that's another world where if uh, they approach your door doing their job, uh, that's somewhere where you would want to, to re- someone to reach out to you as well. Absolutely, definitely. All right, Audrey Anderson, it's always great to talk with you. Uh, enjoy this gorgeous Sunday, Saturday afternoon, <laughs> except it's uh, uh, cold outside. Have a great day, okay? Thank you. I hope you do, too. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, of course. All right, tell you what, folks, we are going to be back next week for Let's Get Legal, powered by the Illinois State Bar Association, as always, on Saturday. Thank you so much for listening. I'm John Hansen. We're going to take a break. Then we got news next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom here on 720 WGN.